From the healing heart of Dr. Nina Savelle Rockland comes the Dr. Nina Show with a message of hope for people struggling with binge eating. She helps listeners break free from emotional eating by identifying their hidden triggers and provides a path for healing without dieting or focusing on food. Dr. Nina inspires us to enjoy the full spectrum of human experience we all deserve to live. Hi there. Welcome to the Dr. Nina Show. I am your host, Dr. Nina Savelle Rocklin. I am a psychoanalyst specializing in eating disorders, especially binge eating disorder. And I am here to help you break free from binging, guilt, body shame, and diets that don't work. I want you to wake up and think about your day, not your diet. Remember, when it comes to binge eating, It's not what you are eating that is the true problem. It is what is eating at you. And um, that's what I'm here to help you talk about and identify and sort through so that you can truly take that step into a binge-free, happy life of liberation. All right. Now, I'm doing something new, which is that I am now going to be taking calls after I talk about my topic, so I will let you know when I open up the phone lines after I finish talking about the topic, which today is why positive thinking makes binging worse. Have you ever told yourself to look on the bright side? Do you try to think positively when things are tough? Maybe you practice gratitude as the antidote to difficult feelings and thoughts. Or maybe you compare yourself to other people who are struggling, sometimes struggling to su- survive war or, or illness, or people who are barely hanging on financially. Some people believe that by simply thinking positively and putting on a happy face, you will achieve better results in life. You will actually be happier and you'll achieve your goals more easily. Sheila likes the new format. I'm so happy to hear that. Yes, 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 me too. Okay, so although although positive thinking is often touted as the key to happiness and success, recent research actually proves otherwise. Positive thinking actually backfires. When we are constantly focusing on trying to feel positive and suppressing emotions that we label as negative, this ends up making with us feeling even worse because then we feel bad about feeling bad. So, so unfair to us, right? Um, We judge ourselves for not being able to maintain that optimistic outlook at all times, by the way. Oh, you're supposed to be happy at all times and optimistic and grateful, which only makes us feel down and discouraged when we don't feel so great. And hi, Debbie, I'm glad that you're here. We might feel that we're faking it. We might feel like we're putting on a bit of a mask. When we try to hide our true feelings, even from ourselves, this can lead to feelings of shame, discontentment, and particularly when we're having some painful, upsetting emotions bubble up, right? And we feel feel bad. Not only do we feel bad about what's going on, we feel bad about feeling bad. So ultimately, what positive thinking cannot take into account is that so-called negative emotions are an inevitable part of life. It's not possible, nor is it healthy, by the way, to always be happy and optimistic. If you if you don't have the valleys, how do you see the mountains? If you're not sad and discouraged and anxious sometimes, how do you know when you're happy? And then when you are happy, because you've been upset, it makes that happiness all the all the more all the more happy, all the more richer, all, all the more of a of a good experience. So we really need to learn to accept those emotions that we label as negative, sad, anxious, angry, upset, whatever it is. We need to look at those emotions as simply reactions to situations, a part of the natural experience of being human, 
And also it helps us build more resilience and, and, and move past them when we do learn how to process those feelings uh, when they, when they arise, you know, you can't positive think away emotions. You can't drop them. You can't ignore them. You can't let them go. You can't stuff them down. So um, let me give you an example of how positive thinking can backfire. It's going to sound really grim, but it's actually not. This is the story of Betty. B-E-T-T-E, like Betty Davis, by the way. And why do I make that clear? Because Betty was actually my grandmother. So this is what happened to Betty. Just weeks after her wedding to her second husband, Roger, a drunk driver ran a red light and, and, and struck them as they were crossing in a crosswalk in uh, Brooklyn. Roger was killed instantly. I know this story sounds so depressing. This, this is a sad part. Um, and Betty, Betty's spine was broken. And doctors said she would never walk again. They said she would never walk again. And by the way, my grandmother was like, like not even, I'm 5'7". She was not even five feet tall. She was like four, four feet, 11 inches of total spitfire. Like, oh no, I will walk again. And she proved the doctors wrong. She worked hard. She walked out of that hospital on crutches. And during the next weeks, her friends urged her to stay positive. You're lucky to be alive, they told her. Roger would want you to be happy, they told her. Focus on the good and not the bad. Look forward, not backward. You just have to stay positive, they said to her. So when Betty's best friend came over for coffee and saw her walking, her friend was like, oh my God, it is, it's a miracle how amazing to see you walking around. It is truly a miracle. Fantastic. Betty ate a slice of the coffee cake her friend had brought her. And then she had another slice. And finally, she put down her fork and she burst into tears. And she said, it's no good. I can't stop thinking about Roger. I can't be happy that I'm walking because I miss my husband so much. Her friend said, look on the bright side. We could have missed you. We could have lost you too. We could have lost you too. It could have been worse. And her friend Ed urged her, of course, you guessed it, to, to stay positive. And Betty said, yeah, I am positive. I am positive. I miss my husband. Right? Everyone was trying to make her feel better, but they actually made her feel bad about feeling bad. Yes, she was happy that she was walking. And yes, she was really sad that that she had married. I think she'd been married to Roger like six weeks before they were hit by that drunk driver. So she was she was she was definitely sad. And all the all the 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 the. Thoughts of be happy, look on the bright side, it could have been worse. He would want you to be happy. All of those things, while true, did not make her feel better. It actually made her feel, feel worse. So if you dismiss your true thoughts, your emotions, your reactions in favor of looking on the bright side, you're pushing away your truth. You're actually dismissing yourself. If something bad happens, yeah, you know, there may be a silver lining, definitely, but the bad thing still happens, and we need to pay attention to that and heal that. When you feel bad, you're more likely to eat for comfort or distraction if you don't know how to process those bad, uncomfortable, difficult feelings. That's how positive thinking can actually make binging worse. You, you feel bad. You try to positive think it away. You try to be grateful. Think of all the good things that, in your life. And then you feel bad about feeling bad on top of already feeling bad. And it's all too much. What's in the kitchen? So forget trying to stay positive when things are tough. The only way to get past the challenges and the losses of life 
is to deal with the bad stuff in a different way, is to recognize the bad stuff. Again, you can't think it away, drop it, ignore it, stuff it down or positive, think it away. The bad is the bad. The difficult is the difficult. It's there. Got to deal with it. The only way to get rid of bad feelings is to feel them, express them, and process them. So my grandmother, Betty, she did that. She cried. She felt her grief. And that's how she was finally able to get past the pain and say, you know what? I miss Roger so much. And I'm glad to be alive and walking, literally. That's how she healed. So let's just let's just think about quote unquote negative emotions differently. Um because I hear this all the time. I don't want to be negative. I have these negative emotions. I don't want to be a negative person. Um, yeah, you're a person who's feeling an emotion that's painful. If you're angry, you're not an angry person. You're a person who's angry. If you're sad, you're not like a depressed, sad person. You're a person who's sad, who's depressed, who's feeling something for a reason. That reason needs your attention. Emotions are not negative. And they are not positive. They are simply natural responses to the situations that we encounter in life. Whether we're happy, sad, scared, angry, whatever it is that's going on with us, those emotions are simply proof that we're alive. They're, they're reactions to what's happening around us. And at times, it may feel like our emotions are controlling us or getting in the way of our ability to, to act rationally. This doesn't make sense. Why am I doing this? I want to stop binging. So why can't I stop eating these Oreos? It's not logical. It's psychological. Our emotions are just reactions and, and reflections of what we are feeling in that moment. They give us valuable information, actually, about what's going on inside us. They can help us deal with challenging situations more effectively when we pay attention to them. So rather than seeing your emotions as something bad to be avoided, something negative that says something negative about you, we have to embrace emotions for what they really are, which is tools. Our emotions are tools that help us understand ourselves better, help us navigate the world around us. After all, you know what? Without emotions, life would be very dull and boring. Can you imagine being happy, happy, happy every day? It's like, like I live in LA where it is sunny all the time. It is, it is relentlessly sunny. So people in LA are just like, oh, another sunny day. People come to LA who live on the East Coast, and they're like, oh my God, it's so beautiful here. It's 75 degrees, what? It's November, what? And they they take delight in that. Why? Because they have winter. So they can they they have to deal with, with snow and cold and freezing and all of that stuff. It makes them appreciate the sunny days more. When every day is a sunny day, it's just like, mm, yet another sunny day. Sheila needs relentless sun. Come to Southern California, Sheila. You will have relentless sun. But you guys get the point. Um, so emotionally, if we're always, if we're always sunny, if everything's always happy, we never realize that it's we never realize that it we're that we're having a sunny day. We never realize that we're happy. We need the painful, difficult emotions and we need to be able to process them instead of, you know, binge eat them away. We need to process them so that we have the full range of human experience, so that we feel a range of feelings, but we also, when things go wrong, which they do, unfortunately, in life, things happen that we know how to deal with it. We don't personalize it and we don't feel bad about feeling bad. So that means thinking realistically instead of positively, instead of like po think positively, which is dismissive. Right? 
you have, if you feel a certain way and, and, and someone tells you to be positive, they're basically dismissing your, your upset, painful feeling. No. So let's think realistically. If you ignore upsetting emotions or situations by staying positive, those feelings will continue to eat at you. When you acknowledge what you are truly thinking and feeling, even if it's painful, even if it's upsetting, you can then deal with it differently and heal. The only way to get rid of feelings, as counterintuitive as it may sound, the only way to get rid of feelings is to actually feel them. And, you know, what do I mean by feeling them? I'll get to that in a moment. Um, So let's get back to my grandmother, Betty. Of course, she was in emotional pain. Of course, she was upset. She was devastated. She lost her husband. She spent months in the hospital. This was back in the days when you can spend months in the hospital or whatever it was, rehab place. How else could she feel? She got married six weeks later, drunk driver hits her, kills her husband, and she's in the hospital. May never walk again. Of course she feels terrible. Of course she feels devastated. And and continuing to grieve is what helped her to heal. We have to go through a grieving process when things go wrong. We've got to grieve what happened. And we've also got to grieve what doesn't happen, what didn't happen. So when, when we grieve, we, it doesn't change the situation. We don't, cha- we don't feel feelings so that the situation will change. We feel our emotions so that we change the way we feel about the situation. That's the healing part, the pain lessons, and then we can get on with our lives. So just one thing about I just want to say about feeling, our feelings. I hear this all the time. Oh, so I just have to sit in the in the yuck until they go away. Well, just as you can't positive think away your feelings or gratitude away your feelings or let them go or ignore them or, or dismiss them or stuff them down. You can't sit them away either. We can't sit in a feeling and then suddenly with time, it goes away. No, time does not heal all. The only way to to feel our feelings is to first identify them, which, you know, if you you have trouble with that, I, I urge you to get my food mood formula secret guide that will help you correlate certain foods you may be turning to if you're binging or eating for comfort, emotional eating, and help you identify what is the feeling behind them, what is the need behind them. So first you you identify what it is that you're feeling, then you express what it is that you are feeling. That part is very important. A lot of times people confuse identifying it with expressing it. They'll say like, well, I realized I was mad and nothing changed. No, you've got to express that you're angry. You've got to express why you're angry. You've got to let get it out instead of stuffing it down. If you're angry, if you're afraid, if you're scared, whatever it is, anxious, express it with words. I'm so upset because of this situation with my friend. I'm so worried about this situation with my uh, partner. I'm so afraid of what's going to happen when I go in and talk to my boss, you know, because of this, because I'm, a, because I'm worried that this is going to happen or this is not going to happen or I'm going to get rejected and then it's going to mean this. Like you got to like just really get it out, not just identify it, get it out in full sentences. A great way to do this is journaling. Journaling from a place of being truly interested in in yourself instead of dismissive. Or talking to a friend who is not telling you to look on the bright side. Someone who could really hear you and reflect back. Or talking to a therapist or being in a group. Check out my Binge Free Babes group. It is full of amazing women who are truly there to 
to express themselves and be heard and be comforted and supported as they go through this process and, and in turn do that for e- each other. Um, so first you identify what it is you're feeling. Then you express it fully and completely in full and complete sentences and some and some affect. Affect is kind of like like uh, an expression of it. For example, um, the expression of anger uh, with no affect is this: "I'm very angry." That is zero affect. That's just thinking the feeling of anger. Expressing with affect is, "Oh, I'm so angry." Ugh. Right. The first one is a cerebral experience. I am so angry doesn't do much for you. The second one lets it out. Debbie says journaling is very therapeutic for her. I agree. I think I think journaling is fantastic. It's a great way of really being there for yourself with yourself and expressing yourself. But no, I'm not done. The how to how to feel? First you identify what you're feeling, secondly you express what you're feeling, and third, you have to respond to yourself differently. This is where most people go to positive thinking. Oh, I'm feeling, I'm very worried about this, but you know, I shouldn't be worried because, you know, like in the long run, it's not a big deal and whatever, some form of dismissive. Or I should look on the bright side. At least I, you know, yeah, I'm worried about my I'm worried about my job. My boss brought me in. Oh my God, what if I get fired? Or what if they chastise me? Or what if, what if, what if? Um, and then, and then, you know, hey, hey, it'll be all right. It'll be fine. Everything happens for a reason. No, that doesn't help. You have to be able to be able to, to say, hey, this is scary. This is what I'm worried about. Counter it. In this example, with what is reality and facts and what you know to be true, and and then you reassure yourself, not not dismiss yourself. Uh, Sheila is resistant to journaling, afraid to get close to the fire. She feels the same about therapy. Well, I guess the fire, Sheila, what you mean by that is you're afraid to get close to your truth, to what you actually feel, to what's going on with you. You're afraid to be close to yourself in a sense. So I would suggest really important that you look at how did you develop this attitude towards yourself, towards your feelings, towards your truth? It's a very adversarial attitude. And would you treat anyone else like that? I'm guessing no. Someone else has a, is, is struggling, has a feeling, is anxious, is worried, is, is dealing with things. Would you say, oh, I don't even want to get close to you? You would probably, I'm guessing, Sheila, you would be nurturing and caring. If by journaling, it forces you to, to have a more benign stance with yourself. With therapy, it's about looking at yourself and looking inward from a place of curiosity and not criticism. But if you're used to being cruel and mean and finding fault, it's very hard at times or at the beginning to shift and see yourself with different eyes. Okay. So how do you feel your feelings? If you're not positive thinking them away, which is dismissive, you identify them, you express them, and then you respond to yourself. This is where, again, people say, oh, but look on the bright side. Oh, it could have been worse. Oh, I shouldn't feel so bad about this. No. You want to say, yeah, of course I feel this way. Given what's going on, how could I feel anything but this? Of course I'm upset. This is affecting me. It's making me feel this or that. It's it's annoying, upsetting, scary, whatever. Yeah, I feel this way. And I've been through challenges before. I've overcome them. I will overcome this. I've been through scary things before. I've gotten through them. I'm going to get through this. I've encountered obstacles in my life before. I found a way around them or over them. I'm going to get through this too. 
That's reassurance. And that's the, the, the very acronym that I talk about in my book at length. My book, The Binge Cure, Seven Steps to Outsmart Emotional Eating. If you don't have it, it is available on Amazon on in all formats, including audio, where I read it to you. Um, you really want to use this very acronym, which is validate, acknowledge, and reassure yourself. When you can say, yes, I feel this way, of course I do. How else could I feel? Oh, Pamela, uh, wonderful. I can't wait to hear your thoughts. When you can validate and acknowledge and reassure yourself, guess what? You are going to feel better. You're going to feel soothed. You're going to feel comforted. This is how you soothe without binging. This is how you soothe without food, by changing your relationship with yourself. It's not what you are eating that is the problem. It is what's eating at you, and it's how you respond to what's eating at you. If you dismiss yourself nicely with, with, with you know positive thinking or gratitude, if you weaponize gratitude as a way to make yourself you know feel bad for feeling bad, nothing is going to get better. I am all for gratitude, but not as a way of making you feel bad about your feelings. I'm a fan of gratitude. I'm actually a fan of positive thinking, but not as a way of dismissing what your truth is. So you feel bad, you feel mad, you feel sad, you feel worried, whatever it is, you identify it, you express it, you respond to yourself, you feel better then you don't need food to comfort, numb, distract, or all the things, right? Sometimes we displace angry feelings towards other people or situations onto food. So instead of, I'm so mad at my boss who brought me in, I don't know who this mythical boss is, but it's in my mind today. I'm so mad at that boss. She's bringing me in. She's going to yell at me. I I can't stand her. No, we can't allow ourselves to even process that. We can't yell at our boss. So you know what we do? We go, we eat a bunch of chips and then we get mad at ourselves. I can't believe I ate those chips. I'm so mad at myself. That one's an obvious one, but often it's, you know, we feel we, we have thoughts about people that we don't want to have those thoughts about. We, we don't want to be mad at our partners, but we are. So instead, we go eat a bunch of stuff, and now we're not mad at our partners. Now we're mad at ourselves for eating, binging, and then we get on the scale, and now we're mad at ourselves for whatever we weigh. And we have effectively displaced, dis, di, we've effectively displaced anger in one sec, situation onto another. Um, question, how do you start working on your trauma if some of it stems from early childhood and cannot be verbalized? I feel like there is this deep emptiness and sorrow that is beyond words. Well, the idea is to turn that into words instead of expressing it bodily. Um, also, trauma from the past is often reenacted unbeknownst to ourselves so that what happens doesn't just stay in the past. We experience the world as it was, not as it is. And so often with, with you know, as an eating disorder psychoanalyst and, and, and also coach, because I see people all over the world, um, everybody I treat has some deep trauma and it's about being able to hear the trauma, extrapolate it from the behavior, from your relationship with yourself, often the way we relate to ourselves, often the way we relate to ourselves, um, mimics the way we were related to. So if people wanted nothing to do with you, if you were ignored or in a benign way or in a harsh way, Maybe we ignore ourselves. If we are uh, treated harshly, um, we, tr we are harsh to ourselves. So there are different ways of uh, extrapolating oh, and giving words to that trauma. My thoughts on EMDR is uh, I'm in favor of everything that works, but I don't know anyone that it's actually worked for. 
in long term. I know some people love it. So some people will say, no, no, like EMDR is totally the bomb. Like if, if it works for you, great. But I believe as an as a as a psychoanalyst who has treated only people with eating disorders for 20 years. I believe that you have to mentalize what happened. It's not just in your brain. It's in your mind. You have to come to a new way of thinking. Look, look if, if something worked where you could just release your trauma, and again, it works for some people. So if it w- works for you, I, you know, I, I'm, I'm all for what works. But if, if you could release your trauma by just simply tapping or, or moving your eyes, whatever that, and I don't mean to, I don't, I'm not mocking MTR, but you know, I, it's not just in your brain. It is in your mind, the way we think. And the way we think is not just our, our minds affect our brains and our brains affect our minds, but you can't just treat the brain. You can't just treat the mind. Hopefully that answers that question. Okay. Um, now I have a comment about comparison and binge eating. All right. So this is another positive thinking example. Uh, Amy, and again, all the names that I use except for my grandmother's, <laughs> Betty, uh, all the, na- the names that I am using are, are n- not the true names. So Amy gained 20 pounds, and this caused her a lot of anxiety but then she dismissed her feelings. She said, I should not worry about such trivial things as gaining weight. People are people are starving and dying in the Ukraine. I have no right to be upset. I need to be more positive. Hmm. This was not a helpful way for Amy to talk to herself. You know what a better response would have been? Of course I'm upset about gaining weight. It's upsetting when my clothes are tighter. I feel bad. I feel bad about myself. I, you know, of course I'm upset. And yes, people are starving and dying in the Ukraine, and that is tragic. But their pain does not minimize mine. I'm going to pay more attention to why I'm eating, to what's eating at me, so I can reverse this trend that I've been on. But in the meantime, it really is challenging. Let me think about what I need to make me feel better right now. Um, Let me think about things that have made me feel better that aren't binging. Do I want to talk to a friend? Do I want to journal? Do I want to go watch like uh, something mindless? Like, I don't know, like friends. (laughs) Do I want to watch like just some mind candy TV? What do I need to make me feel better? That is the way you deal with how you feel. So again, those three steps to soothe without food, acknowledge your experience, validate your emotions, comfort yourself with words using the very concept. The next time you deal with difficult thoughts and feelings, just try to accept those feelings as part of the natural human experience. Validate your feeling this way for a reason. Acknowledge those emotions without judgment, without resistance, and let them pass through you without trying to fix or change anything and talk to yourself as you would talk to a friend. If a friend was upset, you wouldn't say, you're ridiculous. I don't want to hear it. Go away. At least I hope not. If you do, you might not have that many friends. You would say to your friend, yeah, that you wouldn't say to your friend, hey, look, people are dying in the Ukraine. So why are you moaning about your weight? You would not say that. You would not say that. You would say, I hope you wouldn't say that. I don't think you'd say it. You'd say, yeah, that's hard. It's really hard to gain weight and to feel out of control with food. How can I help? Right? Treat yourself as you would treat a friend. And with time, you will start to feel better. And you will be able to to soothe yourself even when things aren't going exactly as you like, which unfortunately, because we are, we're not, you know, omnipotent, things happen to us. But here's my thought on that. I was just saying this to someone the other day and they thought it was super relieving. So I'm going to say it to you. The things, 
that are bad that happen to us are often the result in our past, are the result of other people's choices, other people's choices to neglect, abuse us, to be misattuned to us, to reject us, to whatever. The, the, bad, the things that happen that are bad and painful are often the result of other people's choices. But the things that we create that are good in our lives are often the result of our choices. We have taken steps to create the life that we want. Remember that. As you can see, the real problem with binge eating, stress eating, any kind of emotional eating, the real problem is not food. It's not what you are eating. It's why. And it's how you respond to that why that is the problem. Okay, so I have questions from that I've been collecting from listeners to send in questions. And I am going to start with this one. I hate myself for binging. I hate myself for binging. Harsh, but relatable. How can I stop? Well, what you have to put a stop to is that level of self-hatred. If you say things like, what's wrong with me? I hate myself. I can't believe I ate that. I have no willpower. I have no control. I hate myself. That is your inner critic talking. And guess what? You might just turn to food to avoid your inner critic. Here is how to make your inner critic shut up for good. Silence your inner critic. One is to be curious instead of critical. Ask yourself why. Why did you eat that? Why did you turn to food instead of focusing on what you ate? What's eating at you? Are you eating in response to hunger or in response to deprivation? Or are you using food to avoid something, to numb, to express? Are you, for example, turning emotional pain into physical pain? If you eat so much that it hurts, Instead of saying, I hate myself, I can't believe I did that. I ate so much, I hurt. I was in physical pain and I kept eating. What's wrong with me? Show of hands on Instagram, is that familiar? Drop a drop a drop a thumb if you if you can relate to that. Instead of that, how about, okay, what's going on with me? Why did I why did I do that? Maybe I ate so much that I I'm in physical pain because I'm actually in emotional pain. And I just turn my emotional pain into physical pain because, yep, seeing some thumbs, right? Hi, Car- Cardio RN. Hi, Debbie. Yeah. Maybe you are turning emotional pain to physical pain. It's easier to deal with physical pain than it is to deal with emotional pain. Right? Well, you just wait it out the next day kind of feel gross, but you're not in pain. And now you're focused on how you feel physically instead of on your emotional pain that you may be dismissing with positive thinking. Um, Another way to get your inner critic to be quiet is, again, like I was just saying a few minutes ago, talk to yourself as if you were your own best friend. If your best friend ate a bunch of ice cream, you would not say, you are disgusting. I can't believe you ate all that. You make me sick. You'd be kind and supportive. Mm. Well, uh, Jovi, I hope you feel better. That's that's hard. That sounds like something's going on that's very painful. So you'd be kind kind and supportive to your friend. Be kind and supportive to yourself. If you wouldn't say it to someone you care about, don't say it to yourself. Don't you care about you? And also talk to yourself in a soothing, kind tone because a warm tone is like a verbal hug. Example. I've used this example before. So if you've heard it before, guess what? It does not hurt to hear it again. This is one place where repetition is helpful. So uh, someone came to me and they said, hey, look, you know what? I've tried this talking yourself thing and it doesn't work at all. Nope, it doesn't work. I talk to myself, no change. 
So I asked this person, well, you know, what did you say to yourself? And please say it in the way that you said it to yourself. And she said something along the lines of, it's okay, I'll be fine. It's going to be all right. That doesn't, like, would you say that to anybody else? You're okay. It's fine. You're going to be all right. That does not give you the warm fuzzies. If someone else is upset and you said, you're okay, it's going to be all right. You wouldn't go like, that person wouldn't be like, oh my God, I feel so much better. No, but you could say, it's okay. You're, you know, you're going to be all right. It's going to be okay. Same words, totally different feeling. So you want to really look at, not just the words you say, but the way that you say them makes all the difference. Try it. You will not believe the difference. And let me know how it goes. Just give yourself the most soothing, warm, kind, loving tone that you can, the way you would towards anyone that you care about and love and like. It's going to be a lot different than the, it's all right, you're fine, you're going to be okay. Okay. Another question. I'm usually good good during the day, but I can't stop eating at night. What can I do to change? You know what? A lot of binge eating occurs at night. And why is that? Well, for one thing, we're all busy during the day. We're working, we're taking care of kids, we're doing a lot to keep us occupied. We are busy, 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 busy. We are doing a lot during the day. At night, instead of being in that state of doing and busyness, we enter that state of being. We're We're not so occupied. We slow down. And that's when certain thoughts can creep into our minds. Unwanted thoughts, unwanted feelings that you haven't been aware of because you're busy all day. You're not thinking about anything or feeling too much. And before, often before those thoughts can reach conscious awareness, this is very important. These are, these are, these are thoughts that are outside your awareness, unconscious often. Before you can be aware of those thoughts, they can trigger a binge episode. Before you are consciously aware that you are being triggered by the thoughts that you are afraid to think, you go right to the kitchen. In fact, we often turn to food so quickly, we don't even know what's going on inside. We don't know we're being triggered. We are. We all humans avoid anything that makes us feel bad or powerless or afraid or anxious or lonely or anything uncomfortable. We try not to feel that. And one way that we try not to feel that is to go to food, which actually is comforting, soothing. It's a friend and an enemy. It's a frenemy. It helps us in some way. It helps us avoid, distract from certain thoughts and feelings. But of course, it's also an enemy in that it hurts us. It hurts our self-esteem. It hurts our bodies. It's definitely more of an enemy than a friend. But until you can find a way to cope, because it's a friend, it helps you cope with something. Until you find a new way of doing the friend part, it's going to be part of your life. And that includes like, you know, that's why willpower and control doesn't work. It's focusing on what you're eating and not why. And you don't want to you don't want to white knuckle it through life, do you? Feeling bad if you eat white sugar or something with a carb and feeling good about yourself if you have steamed broccoli? No, you want to be able to live your life, I hope. So instead of, "Oh my gosh, I can't believe I ate that." How about like what's eating at me? Debbie says, I don't take time at night to listen to what I'm thinking or feeling. I'll run to satisfy the urge. Yes. So the urge seems to be to get food, but there is a reason behind it. That's why I created my food mood formula, because there's a reason behind it. You may not be aware of it, but something is motivating that urge. You're not it's not willpower. It's not, you're not a food addict. You're not, it's not that you lack control. It's that you're trying to avoid something. 
And I would suggest just starting with name it. Don't worry about naming it and processing it and reassuring yourself. Just name, start by naming it. Oh, I'm doing this because I want that feeling to go away. Um, so uh, if we don't have strategies to deal with those thoughts and feelings that you don't want to have, you use food to avoid those thoughts and feelings and to cope because binging helps us escape, numb, comfort ourselves and a lot of other things. So the next time you want to binge at night, just get really curious about why. Instead of focusing on what you're eating, focus on why. I think this would be a good time for me to actually just go over the, the process of change because it's not like you flip a switch and one day you're just, I'm going to nurture my body and give myself healthy foods and I'm going to have a cookie and stop at one or two and be fine with that. No, that's never happened to anybody ever, ever, ever in 20 years of treating people with binge eating disorder. Nobody has ever suddenly be, been able to stop and totally change because we're not flipping a switch. We are in a process. So this is the process of change. So it starts out with, oh my gosh, I'm a food addict. I have no willpower. I suck completely. I'm going to have to deal with this for the rest of my life. It's all about food. Second is, oh, okay. It's not about food, but I have no idea why I'm turning to food. It's like that. I instantly go to food. But then when I talk to you, Dr. Nina, I can figure it out. That's why I did the food mood formula to help people figure it out without me. Then is, oh, okay, I realized after I binged why I binged. The next is, oh, I know why I want to turn to food. I know exactly what's going on with me, but you know what? I don't care. I'm doing it anyway. Next is, notice all the steps. Next is, I know why I am turning to food. I know exactly why, but you know what? This time I'm going to, I'm going to express it. I'm going to use the very acronym. I'm going to do something different. The last step is you don't even think about turning to food because you've gotten so good at understanding what's going on with you and learning how to cope and to soothe yourself and to comfort yourself and to reassure yourself instead of trying to positive think it away, that you don't even think of going to food as a coping mechanism because you are coping in another way. So that is the process of change. And you cannot skip a step. And you may, you go backwards and forwards. Sometimes people are, are like, oh, I'm soothing myself. And then, you know, the next week they're back to using food to cope, which just means they're being extra triggered. But eventually you get to you get to the place where you are coping with words instead of with food. And then eating becomes breakfast, lunch, dinner, and snacks. And my one food rule, it should be yummy. Everything in moderation, but it should be yummy. It should be delicious. Someone the other day said to me, I, I know that I should just be eating, you know, uh, I shouldn't want to like, live to eat. I should just eat to just nurture my, nourish my body and that's it. I shouldn't even enjoy it. Like, no, I, you know, you should enjoy it. Food is one of the pleasures of life. You should enjoy it. But it's hard to enjoy it when you're struggling with binge eating because food is your, your best friend and your worst enemy. So Debbie... And everyone here, everyone listening, for you, just if you start with identifying, okay, what's going on with me? That's a start. That gives you just a little, a little more information. And then in time, you can you could say, okay, I'm I I realize that I'm upset about this. I'm gonna I'm gonna just I'm gonna sit I'm gonna stay with that. I'm gonna hold that. I almost said sit with it. <laughs> totally wrong phrase. Um, I'm just going to recognize that and maybe, you know, validate and acknowledge that for 15 seconds. And if I still want to eat, I will. And that 15 seconds can become 15 minutes, can become an hour, can become you soothing yourself in a different way and you don't end up binging. That's how it works. So that is why positive thinking 
does not work. It is a way of dismissing our truth, our reality. And instead of positive thinking or thinking that we're being negative, if we're in pain, we, we want to think about, hey, what's going on with me? Feelings are just reactions to situations. You're not being positive and you're not being negative. You're just a human being having a reaction to something. Get really curious about what that is from a place of curiosity, not criticism. And as you learn to validate, acknowledge, and reassure yourself, that's the way that you're going to cope with your feelings instead of using binging as an escape. That's it. That is the show for today. Thank you so much for joining me here on the Dr. Nina Show. You can listen live every Wednesday at 11 a.m. Pacific and 2 o'clock Eastern time. And again, if you're interested in a deeper dive into what I've talked about today, my book, The Binge Cure, Seven Steps to Outsmart Emotional Eating, is available on Amazon in all formats. So stay curious, not critical, and I'll see you next week. Bye for now. Calling all authors. Have you been considering an audiobook? Well, look no further. Come take advantage of Dream Vision 7 Radio Network's unique in-house audiobook production, which includes benefits and bonuses from our radio station. Let our knowledgeable staff guide you to create the audiobook you've always dreamed of without breaking the bank. Check out our full one-stop service from A to Z, including the ACX process. Schedule a free consultation by calling 508-226-1723. That's 508-226-1723. Or go to dreamvision7radio.com. The Dr. Nina Show is now on the Dream Vision 7 Radio Network. Every Tuesday, 11 a.m. and 11 p.m. Eastern Time. From the healing heart of Dr. Nina, Sabelle Rockland, comes a message of hope for people struggling with binge eating. She helps listeners break free from emotional eating by identifying the hidden triggers to binging and provides a path for healing without dieting or focusing on food. As she puts it, it's not what you're eating that's the real problem. It's what's eating at you. Be sure to tune in for diet-free strategies on how to outsmart emotional eating so you can stop thinking about food and start living your best and most happy life. Thank you for joining the Dr. Nina Show, heard every Tuesday at 11 a.m. and 11 p.m. Eastern on Dream Vision 7 Radio Network. Join Dr. Nina next time for more diet-free strategies on how to outsmart emotional eating so you can stop thinking about food and start living your best and most happy life. Find out more about Dr. Nina Savelle Rockland at drninainc.com. That's D-R-N-I-N-A-I-N-C.com. This is Dream Vision 7 Radio Network, uniting mankind with universal love. Our shows are created from the heart, bringing each listener to a place of divine enlightenment. Breathe, relax, and enjoy. Let life flow.